superhuman, game-changing, rock star, and admired. Those are some of the words to help describe our amazing guest today, Heather Fortner. Heather is the Chief Compliance <laughs> Officer and Chief Operations Officer and a partner at Signature FD, a multi-billion dollar RA here in Atlanta. Heather is an extremely impressive professional in our industry whose insights and views are well respected across RIAs and institutions. Heather has an ability and a knack to instill a culture of servicing and amazing experiences in her teams and pushes her firm forward to think bigger and innovative than anybody else out there. She's by far one of the hardest people, that hardest working people I know in the industry and one of the brightest and sharpest minds in our industry today. So we are extremely lucky to not only have Heather here, but to help us talk about the industry today and in the future. Heather, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. So let's, uh, we were talking about some of the interesting facts. So I didn't know you're a Harry Potter fan. So have, Potter have you been to the Harry Potter uh, kind on of both world <laughs> on both coasts? <laughs> Which one's better? On Which one's coast. better? Is Harry Florida. better on West or, no, or East? It's definitely better in Florida. Why? Because it's the South. So it's Southern com- <laughs> Southern hospitality, all <laughs> that type of stuff. Absolutely. So, but I so I haven't been to Disney World since in a long time. Yep. Um, what makes the Harry Potter world explain it to someone that hasn't been there of why it is so amazing it's immersion it's just immersion into what you imagined it would be when you were reading the books and what you saw on the screen in the movie theater Um, getting to experience that it literally in an enclosed environment where you truly feel like you're there and Everyone is so excited to be there. People are dressed up. Kids are so ecstatic. Um, it really is. You, you just feel the culture. I mean, you, it's just true immersion into something completely different. And, and Disney know. I mean, from what I've heard, Disney knows how to do it, right? Absolutely. In the sense of making not only the kids feel feel welcome and wanted and happy, but like parents even Absolutely. go down there and they say, I love it. I always feel so happy. Yep. I mean, that nobody talks about that. In, I mean, we're on an investing financial services podcast. Nobody talks about that in the investor reports or conference quarterly calls or any of that, but that's why they're so great. Truly creating those magical moments. It's it's their mission statement, right? It's what they're all about. And so they have completely built their enterprise, very similar to Ritz-Carlton and Service. They've built their entire company around creating those magical moments. And every employee of Disney knows that that is their mission statement and that is their job. And right. so that's what they do, and they do it relentlessly. And you know, nobody, I mean, and give them credit because you, you run, you manage people, you have a team, <laughs> right? Like, to be able to instill that in an organization as big as Disney where their lowest level person loves the company yeah. so much and yeah. understands the vision of I'm sure. going to go make other people happy and magical. I mean, that's amazing what they've been able to do. It is the intention that that requires and the programs and the training and the curriculum and the um, the stick-to-itiveness, mm-hmm. right, of creating that vision and communicating that vision and holding people accountable to doing that. Yeah. That's, that's no small feat. Yeah, it's impressive. And so you go from loving Harry Potter and being immersed into this world <laughs> where there's millions of people it seems like at that venue to uh enjoying just being on the farm absolutely just being outside being okay being alone on the on a farm outside absolutely gardening farming everything the outdoors is a 
truly, I think, where I regenerate from the inside. Right. Um, I would much rather be, you know, we, we travel a lot to Jackson Hole, out mm-hmm. to Montana, out to Wyoming. Uh, it's been one of our family's goals to hit all of the national parks. We have a travel trailer, you know, camping is one of the things mm-hmm. that we love to do. And I love it because you literally just get to disconnect. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no TV. There is no... Um, you know, cell phone service a lot of the places that we go. And so you're truly forced to disconnect and really engage on a human level. And and I I think that sometimes we forget how to do that. And so it's just, it's been really good for us. It's been good for our family. It's been a great thing for us to experience with our kids Mm -hmm. um, to just create those memories. And something that your kids don't see every day because they're always in, they always have telephones and TVs in front of them all the time. And I think that uh, I, I, um, to be able to take those times and have that space or that place where you can go and get away is so valuable in this world. And I think everybody, we always get in the mindset of like, we got to go, 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 mm-hmm. because if we don't go, then it's going to yeah. fail. And, if yeah. it does, and, it, and we don't want to fail. And we're scared of failing. And we're scared of it falling through the cracks. But in reality, if you, you're just going to burn out and you're going to be miserable and you're not going to be living a fulfilled life. No. And when you look back over your life, and, and I think this is something that, um, you know, signaturefty is really latched onto with mm-hmm. net worthwhile. It's like when you look back over your life, what are the things that you remember? Like you don't remember the day in and the day out and answering emails twenty four seven and always being connected. Like you remember those monumental times mm-hmm. when you made an effort to go and do with your family. Now there could have been good experiences in there, there could have been bad experiences in there but their memories, mm-hmm. right? And over time, that's what life is made up yeah. of. And so being intentional, right back to Disney, being intentional about creating those memories. And I think that, you know, as we start to talk about the financial industry, being able to do that for our clients, mm-hmm. being able to help them unplug enough to see things from a different perspective and realize that, their portfolio isn't their Mm self-worth and it's not a label that they slap on their foreheads and wear around out in the world that gives them value. It is the things that they've chosen to do and the people that they've chosen to do them with to make an impact and and helping them do those things Mm -hmm. that is truly And it's not a matter of not working hard, right? And not being stressed. Like you're still going to have all that, but you're right. I think that, and and we'll get, I mean, we can just go kind of right into this is, you know, the idea and, uh, you know, your net worth and the, the passion that y'all yeah. have around that, um, your life worth and net worth yeah. and everything, it, it, our industry is evolving from where 20 years ago it was about, your differentiator Absolutely. was investment management. Absolutely. And then over the past 10 years, it's been about, you know, I'm a planner, I help you do holistic financial sure. planning. Now everybody does both of those. They're, commo- they're in theory, commoditized sure. to an extent. What really matters to people is not the returns on their portfolios. Yeah, that gets them giddy, but that's a it's a sugar high. Yeah, it's fulfillment. Yep. Are you helping them have these experiences that they can always come back and be like, my advisor helped me go travel here yep. and be with my family here, yep. and I was, you know, I was with my grandmother right before she passed, and it was yep. meaningful. It was meaningful, and I was able to do that because of what my advisor did. Yeah, that's the framing of the conversations where we need to get to right. And so, you know, let's start there. Yeah. where are we sure. as an industry? Right. Sure. Where I mean. What is the current state um, of the industry from innovation in terms of technology, but also innovation of how we uh, talk about our value and deliver our value? I mean, what do you see? I think that's a fantastic question. I think it could go a hundred different ways. 
Um, if I boil it down to the core of, of what I see, you know, you, you did a great job of saying, okay, first it was investment management, then it then it was really about financial planning, and those two things have kind of gotten commoditized. The next phase of what we do, and I think you've seen several very large companies really start to invest a ton of money in this, mm-hmm, right? United mm-hmm. Capital, right? That's mm-hmm. one of the things that yeah. Goldman was so interested in. Um, but it is really, if you think about the first two phases of those, they're really highly dependent upon IQ, right? They're all about um, intellectual knowledge, right? The last one, this whole helping people dig deep into what truly matters and what is actually going to bring fulfillment and how to attain those goals, that is EQ, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so so you move, we've moved from a place where – and I really do think that that's one of the reasons the investment industry so far has been so successful is because we've had such smart people doing such IQ-based things. Mm. Now, the real test, I think what's going to separate the good from the great moving forward is the company's ability to layer on a true level of EQ with the two levels of IQ and to do that consistently mm-hmm. and to train advisors on how to do that well. Mm-hmm. And and be, to be able to roll all three of those up into a consistent process that clients can go through and you can actually deliver right. on your brand promise of delivering all three of those, that's going to be a real challenge. How, I mean, that, so I'm... In complete agreement with that, and th- and that leads to kind of the industry concerns. So let's talk through Absolutely. those for a second, right? Um, you know, first thing that comes to mind to me is um, everybody talks about over here this idea of fee compression, and yep. I think that that's the reason because of the IQ stuff yep. has become yep. commoditized. Absolutely. So, but is it really a, com- a worry about fee compression, or is it a worry about margin compression? I think because it's both. because if you're going to get EQ. There's a lot. I mean, you almost need. You probably need more people. You're gonna have more expenses. You're gonna have to do more training. Like, if you keep your fees the same, you're increasing your expenses. Yeah. It's yeah. a simple math, right? Yeah. From the IQ yeah. standpoint, I think it's both. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, um, I, I don't know that more EQ requires more resources. I think it requires smarter and different resources. Mm, so so I, I do think that margins are more compressed just because I do think there's more pressure on fees. However, I believe that if the industry can actually figure out the EQ part and how to show value for the fee, to clients for the entire um, product, I think clients will pay for it. Mm -hmm. But I don't think as an industry that we have done a great job of being able to quantify that value. It's very difficult. Yeah, which gets back to, I mean, if we're we're going to have to be required as an industry to show more value, Mm likely means we have to deliver more value because if you in all honesty let's be real about let's let's just take off sure. you know all sure. the show is that sure. our only value right now is investment management and financial planning which sure. we just said was commoditized sure. so if we have to do more value then that's going to cost more I mean, in theory better use of resources but you may need to bring in account you know accounting work and estate work and and you better use and leverage your people because your people are probably not doing as top level or high or as high level of skills or tasks that they need to be doing so you have to figure out how to 
take the seats and rearrange them on the bus. Sure. Maybe the bus looks that. a little different. Yeah. I would also wonder, though, I, I think a lot of advisors would probably say, you know what, we already do a lot of this stuff. We just have no idea how to value it, right? Yeah. And we don't we don't quite know how to talk about it because over here in the IQ part, on the investment side, you can show a return. Mm-hmm. On the financial planning side, you can show a plan. Mm-hmm. What can you show on the EQ side to help someone recognize the milestones and the memories and the the impact that you helped them create with the advice that you gave? I, I don't know that many advisors would say they're not doing that now, but I can guarantee you that they have no idea how to show a client. Which, which that is the doing whole challenge it. in this industry, right? Because, and I think that some of the, the, the people that we were mentioning that you have recently brought onto your team have some visions into that sure. that I, I sure. was uh, honored to be enlightened on. And, um, but we always look as an industry because of the first two being IQ and number specific of putting a number on an ROI. Yep. Absolutely. And because we can't put a number on that ROI, it's hard for we just it, it, it's so hard for us Absolutely. to comprehend. Absolutely. Um, which that is a drastic shift. That how is our industry going to do that? Well, I, I think that some of the large companies have started right, mm-hmm. and, and I think that they invested millions and millions of dollars into crafting a journey. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's why some of the larger banks began to get really interested mm-hmm. in that because they knew that they couldn't do that. It's mindset. It is all mindset. Like mm-hmm. this is this is not foreign to us. However, how we communicate about it and how we um, show value and think about value, it's coming at us. Mm-hmm. The millennials are already they that's mm-hmm. how they think anyway. Right. So. I just think we have to tap into resources and knowledge and people outside of our industry who are already doing an amazing job at this. Like, think about the philanthropic space. Mm-hmm. They're all about showing donors and investors how they're making an impact in the causes that they're investing in. Why mm-hmm. can't we learn something from them? Right. We can, yeah. right? We just have to get outside of our comfort zone a little. And when you are um, people who are IQ people, and, and EQ is not necessarily your first game, yeah. um, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, and so that's the real challenge. And so, how do you? And then I want to kind of I want to shift on talk about some technologies as well. But advisors, right? Uh, we have a lot of advisors that listen to this podcast. Sure. And um, you know, I'll call them out. I've been an advisor. I, I've managed families' monies. It's hard for someone to tell mm-hmm. me that my I my value is I'm better at investment management. <laughs> That's my value. You have a lot more value than that, I'm valuable because I am doing investment (laughs) management. And now you're telling me that that's not my value. And you're telling me that now there's a misalignment of of, of, uh, expectations or visions from that standpoint. How do you – because you have – you guys have a great number of advisors on your team. Sure. How do you get them to buy in? Sure. Sure. To this. I think that's a fantastic question. And and so I haven't been an advisor, right? Mm-hmm. I, I have an undergrad in finance. My master's is in professional counseling. And so I think I naturally just look at things a little different just because I don't I don't carry that baggage. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, don't it's... Call baggage, right? Don't call <laughs> that sorry, baggage. Don't put that baggage on me. I totally just called <laughs> out your baggage. Um, but I, I think it's no different than what we do for clients, which you would look 
willingly at a client and you would say, the value of your portfolio does not define you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would look at you and say the same thing just differently. The value of your advice is much bigger than your investment return number, mm-hmm. right? And so it's almost like flipping the coin on its head and saying, if you on this EQ side are going to take clients on this journey, you must be willing to walk the journey with them. Yeah. And I, I I think that that's where a lot of people struggle. Yeah. Right. That's, I mean, and I think that it's, uh, I think you're right there. And I think that the challenge is, is that advisors, like you said, are IQ math focused. And when you tell them to get all um, emotionally connected <laughs> uh, and go and feel your feelings and let those be seen, they're like, I don't know how to do that. Like, and that, I'm all what, about the feelings. Yeah, it's one plus one equals two. I can right. I can wrap my head around that, right. but my feelings, uh, you know. Right. And I'm it, saying it's all of it. Yeah, it right? is. Right? It's yeah. not – and that's the thing I love um, is the fact that it's not an either or. It is an and. And mm-hmm. I think that for clients, it's, it's no different. When we can tell them it's not an either or, like you don't have to either get to this number or live your life. Mm-hmm. It is both. And mm-hmm. that is net worthwhile or whatever other mm-hmm. advisors are calling it. We call it net worthwhile. But it is both. And and you you kind of start to feel the shackles mm. like loosen just a little bit, and you start to think, well, what if? What if it could be both? Yeah. What if you know your value was investment return and strong financial planning, and being able to take clients on that journey? Yeah, and I think I mean, and I think that the way that you ta- that advisors can see this is that you can think back to every conversation you have with clients where. You know, I, I think from from my standpoint, right, when I was meeting with clients on a daily basis is, you know, clients that came in with $500,000 thought they had to have $1.5 million sure. to, to retire. And I, we were able to show them that, no, like, you're net worthwhile. This is what you need to meet your goals. And they're like, I never even thought about mm-hmm. it that way. And so it's doing the same type of thing. I and mean, you can always point to it. And now it's just saying, how do you get them to have more? And also, it's something that you can control, right? Because the markets you can't control. Not at all. And so as long as you can control the conversation, it makes it a better relationship from that standpoint. And I guess, you know, to, to, to dig deeper into this, where does technology play into helping this transition of mentality for advisors or and or um, how does it help to um, drive this home with the clients even more mm-hmm. to create that experience? The first thing that comes to my mind is just the digitization of content, right? Mm-hmm. So you say something to somebody one time and they're like, whatever. You say something seven times, maybe it sticks. You put it out on a platform where people can actually absorb the content at their own time, at their own pace, when they're in the right place on the journey for that. And that's when you start to really make an impact, right? So I think the the ability to create branding and messaging around what truly matters to you, what you are really committed to delivering to people, and then allowing people the ability to ingest that content whenever it's right for them um, is critical. Mm -hmm. I think it's critical. And y'all, I mean, y'all have taken your digital storefront, your website, for instance. And I mean, your website is basically like a magazine on the front. Yeah. Right. Where you have all these articles about lifestyle and yeah. living the, your net worth while yeah. 
it's not, hey, we are an investment advisory firm. I go to that website, I'm like, this is something, where, like, <laughs> where am I, right? Yeah. But you, I mean, that's what you mean by that, right? Yep. That's how you can take an action step to actually living and breathing this as opposed to just talking about it, but actually y'all invested into your website and Absolutely. your view of how people view your firm. How has that been re- receptive? I mean, how, how, is, how have people received that both clients and also what's the pushback? What was the pushback you had internally? Yeah, yeah. And how'd you overcome that? I think there's been some um, great feedback, positive and negative. You know, I've, I've heard positive and negative. I do think that um, from a positive standpoint, it's easier to navigate it allows people to pick and choose what they want when they want it. It's not all about us. Like mm-hmm. we have such a tendency in this Great. industry, and I, you know, I keep going back to the IQ versus the EQ. Um, we make things so hard for clients and so complex because it's easy to us, and mm-hmm. we're super smart about it. And so we want people to know either that we're super smart about it or we just don't even realize that we're making it so complex but it's all about us and all about what we can provide and the reality is it's not about us at all (laughs) it's all about the client right and so really trying to just think differently in everything that we do it's about the client and, and what do we need to do differently to ensure that every person that lands on our website or every person that visited, visits our offices or every person that talks to one of our advisors knows that it's about them. Mm-hmm. And there's no judgment. Your net worthwhile looks different than my net worthwhile looks very different than someone else's net worthwhile. But my job as your advisor is to help you achieve that. And we're going to constantly come back to that time and time again. So I think technology not only allows you to create a platform that allows people to choose their own experience, mm-hmm. right? Which is fantastic. It's like read your own book, you know, <laughs> the, pick your own pick, ending to your own book. Right. I used to love to, those as a ch- kid. Go to page 83. Like, I'm going to yeah. read every single one of them yeah. and then I'm going to pick the one I like the best. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. Yeah. People want to be able to cater their experience to who they are and where they are on the journey. So technology allows us to do that. I think that technology also allows us to be consistent in the delivery of the core product that we mm-hmm. offer because as you grow which we should all be growing mm-hmm. right like i think that's a critical if you talk about one thing that keeps me up at <laughs> night like the need for growth is critical yeah. and there's so many reasons for that but you have to have consistent growth because consistent growth allows for scale and it allows for leverage and it allows for profitability um, and and in order to deliver, truly deliver on your brand promise, whatever that is, you have to be able to consistently do that over and over again, regardless of how quickly you grow. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Technology is one of those tools. And so with that being said, what I, I'm going to go down two paths. I'll give you kind of some... Pre, you know, Are you going to give me a choice? I'm going, no. You're going to have to choose, <laughs> choose both. Your You're going to have to choose both, but you can choose whichever one you want to go with first <laughs> if you want to do that. I'll give you that option. I love it. So one is... With that being the mindset of, of technology helping to kind of create that consistent, sure. self-driven engagement mechanism for clients, yep. what technologies excite you most right now? You sit on a lot yeah. of boards and uh, and you do a lot of panels of judging innovation conferences or innovation events here in our, in our industry. What excites you the most there? And then secondly, what are you all doing? How, how, does, how do you look at your technology landscape oh, in sure. terms of – 
you know, your roadmap of what you want to do and how you get it integrated, what does that look like for y'all inside of Signature FD if you could lift the hood a little bit? Yeah. So you may have to remind me of the second question while I answer the first one. All right. Um, So I I think what I'm really excited about as we think about this landscape of changing and and really looking at things from the client perspective, Mm -hmm. I'm excited about any technology that allows me to cater the experience. Right. Mm. Because I if you look at the landscape of technology, a lot of it is built around scalability. It's around creating efficiencies within your practice. It's around how do you do things faster, better, blah, blah, blah. That's all great. And that is all stuff that as a as a leader of a business like you, you think about. Right. Because you want profitability and you want all those things. But but ultimately, mm-hmm. if that's not great for the client. The client's not going to be a a part of our business anyway. Mm -hmm. They're going to opt out. Mm -hmm. So what I get really excited about is people thinking about the experience differently, Mm -hmm. creating tools that allow people to engage in different ways and give us the flexibility to engage with clients on a platform that they are comfortable with. So, um, you know, Orion's new um, the bot advisor, right? Like, I'm super excited to get in there and dig into that because it's, okay, well, how is this going to change how I interact with my clients or at least give them options mm-hmm. um, to engage with us from the start? How will that build efficiency and build leverage and build scale into the team? Um, so so the dual factor there, right? Mm-hmm. The, being mm-hmm. able to hit it from both sides. Those are the things that I, I get really mm-hmm. excited about. And what, I mean, um, well, then let's go on the other side of the coin yeah. because uh, well, there's a question I had, but I already forgot it because I didn't write it down. <laughs> but let's go on the other side of the coin. So how are you looking to, what is y'all's process to integrate sure. technologies, right? What does your roadmap look like? And, and it is about making the client experience better. Um, and so what does your roadmap look like? And that question that I had was, you know, on that point of saying uh, it all, it's all about the client, I agree with. How do you respond to people that say, well, if I'm more efficient internally, mm-hmm. then it's going to allow me to be better externally. Mm-hmm. That technology doesn't necessarily integrate externally. Mm-hmm. Is that still valuable in your mind? Yeah, I think it's valuable. Yeah. I think everyone's perspective has some value to it and, and truly some truth to it. Mm-hmm. Because I do think that people believe that if I didn't have to spend so much time doing all of this monotonous, you know, daily task kind of stuff, that I would have more time to go out and visit with right. my clients and whatever. To some of that, I say it would be interesting if I just took all of that away from you for a week, would it actually change your behavior, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So sometimes I think it can be used as an excuse, but I do think there is truth in that as well. Um, But, you know, from a strategic standpoint, you could get super distracted Mm -hmm. with creating tech stacks within your firm that do not promote profitability. (laughs) They do not promote scale. They do not promote leverage. Um, and they lend more towards people just doing things the way that they want to do them. So what we have decided is we have a committee, a tech committee. Mm. Um, we have a technology person. We have a, you know, investment slash operations person. We have myself from leadership. We have a client experience person. We have different people tag in at different times. But really the goal 
no different than creating a strategic roadmap for your business. We have a strategic roadmap for the technology stack. And mm -hmm. so we're constantly evaluating um, data flows between systems. Where is it coming from? Where is it going to? How many other systems in the firm is it impacting? I'm a, I'm a, I call mm -hmm. myself a strategic cartographer. Like, <laughs> I see the world in maps and yeah. it's kind of to a fault. Like I, if you don't show me a map, like I can't get there. Um, I, it, I really believe that if you can actually map all of this stuff out and see on one page what is happening, that, that the inefficiencies in the system start to just pop out of the page for you. Yep. Um, and so you can see duplications easily. You can see where there are overlaps in systems easily. Um, and then, you know, having having some parameters around what problems are you trying to solve for? Are you, t are you trying to solve for inefficiency? Are you trying to solve for risk? Are you trying to solve for leverage? Are you trying to solve for client experience? What what are your top pain points? Mm -hmm. What are you solving for? Figuring out where the biggest problems are. And then quite honestly, where can you make the biggest impact as quickly as possible? Yeah. I think we, again, have such a tendency because of our nature to make things so complex that we forget that elegant simplicity is truly beautiful. Yep. And that's what people adopt is something that is so simple that it makes stupid sense not to adopt it. Yeah. So I, I think thinking about it, looking at it differently, thinking about it that way, figuring out where the biggest pain points are, figuring out what resources you have from not only a team standpoint, but from a budgeting standpoint to adopt or affect certain change and then just making decisions. How has that been? I mean, have you guys seen that? Have you, have you excelled? Have you accomplished what you, your mission is yeah. for that committee? Yeah. Um, I mean, the reason I ask that question is what can people learn from that, right? Like sure, what have you, absolutely. what are some of the lessons that you learned? Because it's all about a community that we're all trying to get better together, yep, right? And absolutely. so have you, have you accomplished that mission? What have you learned as you've gone through that So here's process? what I love. I don't think you ever accomplish anything. Like I think you make progress along the way, but I don't think you're ever done with it. I think we just continue to get better and better at how we implement it. But I will tell you, um, so we did a Salesforce implementation years ago. I mean, we got pretty good adoption. We're still learning about mm -hmm. things that could have been done differently, could have been done better, and we're making adjustments to those. It was really complex, right? Salesforce, mm -hmm. it's why people love it. You can build it to exactly what you want, but mm -hmm. then you get a bunch of financial people in there and it's like, oh, we are gonna build this thing and we're gonna make it awesome. And it's way too hard for people to use, right? So two years later, it's like, oh, we probably should have rethunk that. Now, um, we literally took a team of two or three people with some really excellent consultants. And we just implemented a new document management system, completely converted from an old system to a brand new system. We did our full due diligence conversion and adoption and training in six months. That's amazing. Being able to do that and get that adoption and get it rolled out and get the team trained on it and actually have people working in it day to day, get everything converted over, full due diligence, Everything, team engaged, design, rollout, training, and adoption in six months. 
we could have never done that before mm-hmm. without having a plan, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a strategic plan. So now that that piece is in place, right, the puzzle changes a little bit mm-hmm. because now we're able to make some other smaller adjustments that needed to be addressed now that the big pain point yeah. is addressed. And so so you just revisit, right? You just start looking at the map again. You change a few things. You, you readjust. You figure out where the next pain point is, and you make a plan to adopt it. That's awesome. All right, we're going to get into buy-sell here in a second. I have two oh. questions we're going to close up, wrap up on. I want to know your two, two biggest challenges that keep you up at night, mm. what you're doing to kind of relieve <clears> those. <throat> you already mentioned one, growth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we're going to talk about where you see the industry in 10 years, and then we're going to go play buy-sell, which is a fun little game. I love to play games, but I really want to know the rules. I'll, I'll, I'll lay out all the rules. I'll lay out all the rules. I'll lay out all the rules. Two biggest, two biggest things that keep, challenges that keep you up at night. Yeah, um, cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Like if I had to think about one risk that concerns me more than any other, it is data yeah. and the risk of breach for data. And and I, the risk is so multi-tiered, right? The risk to our clients that our clients just don't understand and they're going to be breached. Mm-hmm. Um, the risk to the business if we are breached. Mm-hmm. What that means for a client if we are breached. Um, I, I just, I can see that chip fall a hundred different ways. And, and if that's not keeping people up at night and they're not actively as a part of their tech stack making that a consistent focus of their technology roadmap, like they are really missing the mark. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's one thing. The other thing is really just more the state of the industry. Um, growth, consolidation, and the pace with which we are going to have to adjust, which brings me back to elegant simplicity. The mm-hmm. more complex things are, the harder it is to adjust and make quick movements um, when the markets need, when consolidation occurs. Um, being able to grow through a lot of what's happening around you and not be one of the smaller firms that is forced to sell in a position where you didn't really want to have mm-hmm. to. Um, so I think those two things are understanding where the the industry is headed mm-hmm. and trying to create strategy and vision yeah in light of the future um, it's like you knew where I was going to go with this next so then let's go that I mean, route we are so connected we're on we're on the same wavelength <laughs> right here this is amazing right now um, 10 years how does our business industry look different than it does today i really think that um, firms have got to grow mhm they have got to grow now because the Goldmans are coming. Mm-hmm. You know, the, they're not going, and the resources that these very large banks have to be in our space and to do it well, the resources that they have and the brand mm-hmm. that they have. Um, brand sells, like, make no mistake, being a known brand matters um, and, and having momentum matters. So I think building that momentum and and being able to adjust accordingly quickly mm-hmm. is going to be critical. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I agree with that a lot. You have to be ad, you have to be agile and adaptable in order to be able to to grow mm-hmm. in this industry mm-hmm. going forward. All right, we're going to move to buy sell. Okay. So the rules. Are these long positions or are these option positions? Long. 
Okay, that's good. Because yeah, if it position. was options, like my risk allocation would not allow Yeah, me no, those are all long <laughs> positions. Again, you say you weren't a financial advisor, but you're trying to make this a lot more complex okay. than it is. It's a very elegantly See, and simple, <laughs> simple game. Buy or Got sell. It. Very simple. Got it. Buy means I'm, I'm like, think you, this is awesome. You're on board with that. Got sell, it. you think that's... It's buy equals true, sell equals false. I love it. Thank Simplicity. you. So Simplicity. So <laughs> All right. Next, I got to send. I got to send better instructions now. In front, beforehand. All right. No. Okay. Compliance <laughs> officer. Buy. All right. Buy sell. We're gonna. It's yep. a way. It's my cheesy uh, game that I like to build. Um, I'm gonna say the statement. You say buy or sell, true okay. or false, and then you say why. You're even on one side. I, even if I don't agree with your percentages. Yeah, that's the whole point. If I didn't okay. put percentages in here, then it's like, yeah, it's just like making, making a goal and saying like, we're gonna we're gonna go and do this. And it's like, all right, like buy win. I don't know. We gotta have some specifics. It's here. a definite maybe. Right. It's a definite maybe. We may get it done. We may not. Uh, that's the whole point. Okay. If there weren't numbers here. It wouldn't be fun, right? All right. All right. Um, we're gonna see if you're a bear or a bull. All right. All right. Buy or sell. First one. Uh, more than 50% of client advisor conversations will be over video conferencing in the next five years. I am totally buying that one. Really? Yeah. Are y'all seeing it already right now yeah. at your firm? I just, I don't think that from a client experience standpoint, asking a client to continually come to us mm -hmm. is, is the best thing, right? Yeah. And, and I think millennials, like, I don't know about you, I'm not an Apple user, but FaceTime, I know, like I'm getting shamed all over the place for that. But this FaceTime thing, even my daughter at two, right? She knows how to FaceTime her grandmother. Yeah. And it, I just think that that is where it's going. They're so comfortable with the use of that technology. We're not comfortable with the use mm -hmm. of that technology, but but a lot of our clients totally are. And and don't don't make any mistake, like grandma's just as comfortable with that technology because she wants to see her granddaughter. 100%. Right? And you'd be amazed. Uh, uh, our firm, um, you know, 75 year olds are comfortable doing Absolutely. Zoom conferences. Absolutely. Unbelievable. So, but the question is if you already assuming for them, then you're, you should ask them. Absolutely. Ask them. Absolutely. All right, so we got one buy. Buy or sell, financial advisors should budget for 10% of their budget going towards technology and innovation development. I would buy that. Okay. Because of the innovation development part. Mm -hmm. Because I think your technology budget can be, you know, five, it can be eight, it can be whatever percentage of your budget. But the innovation, like if you aren't committing mm -hmm. resources, whatever those resources may look like, they may look like hard dollars, they may look like hard dollars in the form of a person, mm -hmm. they may look like hours of certain team members' time. If you're, to me, uh, if you're not being intentional about innovating within your business, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. It is very similar to executing a strategic plan. Um, it, if you're not intentional about it, the plan's not going to, to execute itself. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's, I, I mean, I've tried. <laughs> I mean, interesting. Everybody gets such a euphoric high after they write it down and they're like, all right, let's go. And then they're like, a year later, why is this not done? Which is no different 
yeah. than what we ask our clients to do. And when they show up at their annual meeting the next year and nothing's done, we're like, what happened? Right, right. Like, what? We spent all this time. I can't imagine. I mean, we spent a whole two hours talking about what the plan How should be. How did you be. not do it? <laughs> right. But you, but you make a good point because like, if you only have 10% invested in technology, then everybody gets to the end of the year and say, why didn't this technology do That's what correct. I thought? Well, what did you want it to do? That's correct. I, didn't, I don't know. That's I want absolutely to do. right. Right. It, so I think that your point is, we, I mean, we, we, we get frustrated with our clients. Why don't we get frustrated with ourselves when we do that? I it's agree. really hard to look at yourself the same way you look at a client. You're telling it me. is so much easier to give advice than I mean, it I love is this, to take I, I mean, it. looking at myself the way my wife looks at me, I mean, I, I, mean, I think I'm perfect. Um, <laughs> I'm sure she <laughs> she's agrees, not Matt. She's not listening to this podcast. Uh, maybe she'll listen to this episode. Uh, bye, buy or sell. More than 50% of advisors will be using at least one artificially intelligent software solution within the next three years. I'm a total sell on that. Sell? Yeah. I do not Go. believe that advisors will adopt the technology that fast. Interesting. I just don't believe that at, um, at our core as an industry that the majority of firms are focused on adopting new technologies. Mm -hmm. I think they're comfortable. I think they know it's coming, but I don't think that they have a strategic roadmap of how yeah. they're going to do it and what they're actually going to do. I think that's fair. And I think that maybe the one word I could also throw in there is knowingly. Because Absolutely. they may be using technology like Orion or Absolutely. someone else that has using AI types of technology. Yes. Uh, all right, buy, sell. This is the last one. Uh, that we're doing four. This is the fourth, <laughs> last one. These are hard yeah. decisions, Matt. <laughs> Big stakes here. Buy or sell. The financial advisory world will see a great amount of consolidation of firms over the next five years. I'm totally a buy because I think yeah. it's already happening. Like, yeah. it, I think it's happening so quickly um, right before our eyes that if people aren't paying attention, mm -hmm. it's going to nip them in the bud quickly. Yeah. Um, and... I think it's a positive thing because I think it forces us to address some of our own issues around succession planning and around growth and around what are we actually trying to create here. Mm -hmm. Like, let's not just coast because this uh, business has been so awesome for the last 20 years. Um, but it's a definite. I mean, it's it's already here. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think that, and also I think that there's this aspect of you know the, the mom and pop shop that's an 80 million dollar shop or 100 million dollar shop. They'll be fine. It's just going to dwindle down. It's just not, you're not going to, it depends on what you want. Here's where I right? think they won't be They're fine. not going to be able to compete Absolutely. for the bigger players. They're going to have to be content yeah. with the 80 or And they're not going to be able to get the talent, right? right. So in, a, in an environment where there is a talent shortage, yeah. the best and the brightest people that these firms want are going to go to firms that are growing and can offer growth opportunities and career tracks and growth um, because these are smart people, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're going to drive their careers forward without you or with you one yeah. or the other. We would prefer they be with us, right. but if your firm's not growing and cannot offer those opportunities, those people will go elsewhere. 100%. So look, you're a bull. Three out of four. I am a bull. You're a bull. Did you know that? Rising market, one of you're my, a bull. Uh, things you didn't know about myself. You're I'm a bull. A bull. <laughs> <laughs> now we do. <laughs> That's why we waited till at the end right, instead of at the beginning. All right. So I'm going to let you get back to your day, but I, before you go, I want to get you to give a closing thought, uh, and then I'll do a closing thought, which will be yeah, an awkward moment sure. for you here in studio because I'll just be looking at a. Screen. The only awkward moment uh, we've had, Matt. Yeah, we haven't had any. It's been a really <laughs> awkward, free, uh, stress-free, awkward, free podcast. That's how I like it. Uh, so I want you to, if you can. Talk about one thing that an advisor or a 
financial professional that's listening to this podcast can yeah. take back to their business or their firm today that will really push them ahead of and get them an, an inch further ahead of some of the competition out there? Yeah, when we talk about technology and we talk about innovation and we talk about actually executing this stuff in your business to build in scale and build in profitability and build in leverage. I I am such a huge believer that you cannot do that well without a roadmap mm-hmm. because otherwise you're going to invest, you're going to waste dollars, you're going to invest in technology that nobody wants to adopt. You're going to try to implement change that no one wants, mm-hmm. you know, to change. Um, and and then it's just lost dollars. I mean, it's just sunk cost to you. So I would highly suggest of that 10%, mm-hmm. right, of your budget that's going to go to technology and innovation, be super smart about it. Mm-hmm. Do the same thing on yourself that you would do to a client. What is the goal here? What are we trying to accomplish? What are the biggest pain points? And where can we move the needle the fastest uh, with the investment that we can make. I mean, can that be done in a, and I'm going to, this isn't usually question and answer, but I'm going to pry here for a second. Can that be done in a Word document? Is that an Excel document? Where, how do y'all go about even getting all of these ideas? Because everybody has all these ideas across the yeah. firm. How do you yeah. aggregate those yeah. up? So um, we literally, so I'm a, I'm a like literally a paper I draw everything out. I mean, people just—I literally—I went into a meeting the other day, and I think I had ripped off some paper towel from the bathroom, and somebody was like, (laughs) "And it had—I mean, it had this beautiful map all over," and they were like, "Did that come from the bathroom?" And I was like, "Sorry about that. (laughs) Maybe, but maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) It was the only thing I could find at the minute." Um, But then we have really skilled people who, on this team, right? They Mm -hmm. have the relationships within the firm to be able to go and say, "Okay, here's our initial map. Here's the." technologies that we know about. Here are the uses that we know that people, how they're using this technology, how they're interacting with clients through this technology. Here are the pain points that we know about. Now tell me from your perspective what we're missing, right? Mm -hmm. And so we will spend probably 30 days just going through and saying, help us draw our map. And we'll literally take, you know, like somebody else puts it into Visio and makes it beautiful Mm -hmm. because I am not skilled in that area. Um, But we will take that map and we'll just continually add to it. And then the beauty of that is that you build alignment. Mm -hmm. You actually get the knowledge from the people who are on the front lines doing it. And and from there, you have a much better picture of what's actually happening within the firm. Mm -hmm. From there, you can start to make some educated decisions around, okay, we really need a better solution for this. We could make more impact here. And then you just build alignment along the way. Mm-hmm. I think that communication is critical. I love that. I think that, that if you're not doing that, find someone on your team and empower them to do that yesterday. That's an amazing thought. All right. So we were talking about this a little bit earlier. So I'm going to take a few extra minutes uh, or extra seconds of my time talking about the uh, event that I went to. So I recently attended an impactful two-day event at MIT. It was around innovation within our industry. And during the event, we heard from MIT professors and toured the campus to get an understanding of innovation and how it related back to our industry. There were many takeaways, but one has stayed with me since I returned. It's very simple. Survive to the next day. This was a phrase mentioned by one of the leaders of one of MIT's labs when he was discussing how they are able to create such innovations that have such a major impact on the world. Anything you are wearing or using today likely has touched MIT in some way in the past. But what did he mean, or maybe how did I interpret his phrase of survive to the next day? 
The idea is around the fact that don't view things as failures. They don't there at MIT. It's a matter of learn enough and iterate enough to survive to the next day. Do what you need to do. Evolve your theory. Evolve your practical application in a way that allows for you to survive to the next day. Because if you do this, then you will continue to push forward as opposed to standing still or giving up with an impactful innovation. And in their eyes, innovation is worthless if it doesn't have impact. So the idea of surviving to the next day means iterate so you can continue forward tomorrow. Because if you do this, then you'll continue to push forward and better develop the innovation that truly has an impact on the world. And for us in the financial services industry, we can take this phrase and live by, live by it as well. Yes, we deal with life savings and human emotions, but surviving to the next day makes sense for us. We must iterate our processes, iterate our philosophies based on new information and evolve our firms in order to survive to the next day. In order to survive to the next day, we must not get complacent with where we are. We've made great strides in the industry and many firms out there have made an impact so far. But continue to continue making an impact and an even greater one, we must be open to iterating and evolving with both processes and technology. If not, then we may face a day where we won't survive to the next day and this would then impact our long lasting impact. Heather Fortner, Always. You're welcome here every day, any day. That was I had so much a lot fun. Of fun. Thank you for having me. And thank you for participating. It was so great. Thanks. Absolutely. And everybody out there listening, thank you again for tuning in to an episode of Bridging the Gap. We will be in your ears again next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Bridging the Gap. Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think. The Central.